Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. We're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And before we get into our episode today, a few housekeeping notes. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Email us info at gallerypodcast.com. It feels weird to be doing this back on Zoom when I just saw you yesterday, Rachel, which was a lovely, lovely day in the office. I know. It was a wonderful day together, but we are doing a virtual recording. Just schedules couldn't align, but it was still so fantastic to be together. We are talking about so much. Mainly, this kind of blows my mind that the coronation is just 100 days away, Roberta. We're going to get into the details that were released this week. Also, total surprise, Princess Beatrice baby news. We've got more spare reflections, some Prince Andrew updates that are head scratchers, and a Philadelphia Eagles reference. I feel go like Dave needs to hop on for this I know. part of the I had show. To throw, I had to throw in a go birds. To get through all that, though, we need to raise a glass of something... And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Yesterday we had a lovely glass of, drumroll please, our Queen Elizabeth cocktail from Queen's Yard that we had at the Platinum Jubilee event for our Royal Refreshment. That was so fun that we got to clink together with our yes, producer, Yes, with Alfred. our producer, Alfred. I think it was we were all three laughing, like, does that cocktail get updated to be King Charles III? Like, what happens? We can't. It's so pretty and beautiful and purple, and, like, we just don't want it to go. But I, I think it stays I, the I queen. I can't imagine sipping a glass with King Charles's face on it. I just don't think it will have the same effect as, as the beautiful Queen Elizabeth portrait that's on it right now. But it was delicious. It's called the Purple Lady, if anyone's at Queen's Yard in New York City. It's in Hudson Yard. So check that out. Out before they change it to King Charles, which I yeah. don't think would look as appetizing, to be honest. Yes, totally, totally. All right. So our listener email today is from Karen. She writes, hi, Rachel and Roberta. I don't know if you've talked about this yet, but I just realized each section of spare is taken from a line of the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Part one, out of the night that covers me. Part two, bloody, not unbowed. And part three, captain of my soul. Karen writes that she's the listener who speculated that the book may be called either My Mother's Son or taken from a line of the Invictus poem. She says, well, the poetic verses didn't make the title, but instead each section of the book. I was so close. She says, if I may speak on behalf of your other listeners, thank you both for keeping us entertained and informed each week. And thank you for an intelligent and well-researched podcast every week. We all look forward to the new episodes. That's a great point. And Great guesses for the title. I forgot Karen wrote us way, way back when Harry first announced his memoir. It's a fun thing to try and predict, too. And I did I did notice that some other people online pointed out this Invictus poem and how each section was named after that. So very good call, Karen. All right. Well, royal history this week. And now, this week in royal history. Roberta, I feel like before we dive in, because it is related, I think you need to explain what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Because oh I am not, you know, sports, both of us, but you are up to speed on this one. Well, because I live in Philly and have for the past couple of years, and my boyfriend's from South Jersey, he's a huge Eagles fan, so we've been following closely the Eagles' trajectory. They're in the playoffs on Sunday. If they beat the 49ers, they'll be going to the Super Bowl. So I can't exciting. believe it's Super Bowl already. That's wild to me. I'm in it for the snacks. Always the <laughs> snacks. <laughs> I kind of wanted, like I said, invite Dave on for this, that little spiel, but you did a great job. Well, now you have to tie it into our, for yeah, so how it why relates is to history, it really, yeah, why, how, why we're talking about this. It's because obviously the Philadelphia Eagles jacket is one of Diana's most iconic looks. She was first spotted wearing said jacket in January, 1991. The date is sort of up for discussion of exactly what week she wore it in that month in 1991, but she was pictured wearing it. The first official sighting in it was when she was dropping Harry off at the Weatherby School in London. So I want to give you the facts, Roberta and our lovely audience, that Diana had actually never been to Philly or watched an Eagles game in another state. The way that she received this jacket was that at the funeral of Princess Grace of Monaco, the Eagles statistician, Jack Edelstein, was also in attendance. I think what made me, stood out to me about this, obviously, Roberta, for Royal Trivia, our book, we did a lot of looking back at the funeral of Princess Grace of Monaco and what a big deal it was for Diana to ask to attend solo. Anyways, Edelstein was a dear friend of Grace's brother, and they got to talking during the funeral. She admitted that she thought football was like soccer. She was not as sports, well-versed in sports like we always discuss about ourselves. But she apparently asked Jack, what are your colors? He replied green and silver, and Diana said those are also her favorite colors. Edelstein went back to the U.S. and made sure that they sent Diana a beautiful swag bag, and the team's owner at the time made sure it also included a custom bomber jacket that then she popped up in quite a few places and turned it into a very, very hot fashion item. I want to tell you that in Philly, Diana is like somewhat of a saint and like is canonized in all these different restaurants and bars. Like there is a portrait of her wearing the Eagles jacket at, if you're familiar with Philly places, Middle Child and um, there's a few other like bars and restaurants that I've been to that have popped up. Yes, you have the sticker of it. I love that <laughs> on sticker. My on, it's from Etsy, I think. And so it's good. funny because every time there's an Eagles game, I will always see at least one person wearing a sweatshirt with her, the image of her in the jacket and on it. I mean, so. it's amazing. And then she, a more so closely you know, related to the It was city. on uh, those Getty Images pictures of her wearing it later at a park with William and Harry were on the cover of People. The funny thing is that no one actually knows where the jacket Diana wore currently is. The assumption is that it's in Harry and William's collection. Can you imagine if suddenly like Kate or Megan appeared wearing it or something? What would that do? It would like break If they're the in the Super Bowl this year, that would break the internet. <laughs> that would actually break the I internet. I also feel like you need one. I think the Eagles should reissue this jacket. So I did also want to tack on a honorable mention that Three years ago today, Kate launched her big five questions or five big questions survey. And we did see pics of Kate this morning at a meeting for the early, it's with a new advisory group for her Center for Early Childhood. It was at Windsor Castle. I didn't realize that there's a full-blown website tied to this that is very robust, has every single news alert. So, and we do know that a big announcement is coming. So we'll have to see what happens there. I know. I feel like we're waiting with bated breath to see what that announcement is from Kate. So she's exciting. definitely lined up a team, though. So it's it's impressive to see that. And I'm excited about whatever is coming.
All right, should we move on to the coronation? A hundred yes. days away from when this episode launches. I can't believe we're in the hundred day countdown already. Buckingham Palace announced the news over the weekend. We got some details about the coronation. So obviously it'll take place May 6th to 8th. There are a bunch of different events. One is the big ceremony, the big concert, the big lunch, and the big help out. It's all going to be very big. I feel like we need to have a nickname for this because coronation doesn't really roll off the tongue and the Brits are known for their nicknames. So we got the Platy Jubes. I've also heard the Kazi Lives, which is the oh, cost like of living that. crisis. Oh, no. No, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, that one makes it feel a little no. more flippant than it actually is. The cor- the Coronies? Is that what we're calling it? What is the, the British slang nickname for the coronation? The Coronies sounds like cronies. Which yeah, I think that, that doesn't work. I feel like we need uh, our listener email lady, Karen, to write in. <laughs> yes, please tell us what, what should be the nickname. The British abbreviation for what the coronation should be called. But anyways, I feel like, so we have all these big things. The big concert, the big lunch, the big help out. The big question, though, is will Harry and Meghan go? And I keep thinking back to our discussions about the Platinum Jubilee because this all feels very much like a blueprint that's copy and pasted from the Platinum Jubilee. It's very much the same things happening that were happening last year. They even made a point in their announcement to highlight there will be a lights show again <laughs> and a drone show because they were like, people love that. We're doing it again. Um, but I don't know. Like, the question might not be whether Harry and Meghan will be there, but whether they really want to go. I think Harry left the door open and he said, quote, the ball is in their court about the royal family and whether he and his wife would attend. But do they even want to be there? I mean, people are arguing now on the British news about whether they'll be on the balcony, whether they should be. It looks, you know, it will be like Charles is forgiving them and that will show some sort of solidarity to the world and be kind of a healing moment for everyone. But do they want to even be up there on the balcony? I don't think they probably do. So I guess it's very, it's very much up in the air still. But if if you had to predict, would you say they would want to be there? See, I don't know that they want to be on the balcony, but I do get the sense that they'd like to be, have some sort of reuniting with the family. I mean, I think Harry really laid that out in those interviews. They just need that apology first. So I'm so curious what will play out because it is a very public stage for them to show that, you know, reunion. The other big question, who should be performing at the big I concert? I thought about this. I, my vote would be Adele. Also, okay. it's, I said Adele or Harry Styles. Ooh, Harry Styles. That's a great mm-hmm. one. Um, grew up near Manchester. <laughs> we learned yesterday we at a Visit that. Britain reception, which was lovely. Um, but I was going to say, also, it's interesting that Charles is going to make it that this concert, although a blueprint that is on par with the Jubilee, it's going to have a large presence of actors. Did you read that detail? That- yeah, the spoken word part feels very much in line with his love of Shakespeare, which we found out more about in Spare that he quotes Shakespeare all the time, that he loves it. We obviously knew that before, but I feel like this will have a lot of personal touches from King Charles. I'm curious if it'll have personal touches from Queen Consort Camilla, because I don't think that it seems like there is right now, but I'm sure that he'll want to incorporate that as well. Well, she has apparently been patron of the big lunch since 2013. So I think that that's going to be her big shebang, her big deal, right? The big lunch. I mean, the big lunch is having another moment. The Jubilee overlap. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? The similarities? I'm kind of upset there's not more similarities (laughs) only because I loved the, um, the, 
platinum pudding bake-off, like oh, the Great yes. British Bake Off, but for the platinum pudding, and there's no announcement that there's like a coronation cake in the works or <laughs> like those are the things that I feel like we need like Mary Berry to host a show about the coronation cake. So yeah. I'll be curious to see what else they announce. I think it's smart of them to kind of play into what was really successful last year. It's like, you know, almost A B testing their audience, like this was successful, so we're gonna <laughs> run it back and do it again. Like the, the yes. drone light show, do it again. It was perfect. Like the corgis put them up in the sky. It was an amazing idea. Like that to me seems very smart. I think about the refurbished golden carriage too. Remember we had the queen via hologram riding in and that was yeah, kind of weird kind of for weird the jubilee very yeah. weird but charles and camilla will be in it for that processional so that's going to be interesting i am paying close attention to this branding of charles as the people's king which i do think is i'm of two minds about it because it does feel logical he is really infusing the tradition of the coronation with a lot of modernity and bringing in a diverse range of people from the Commonwealth and broadening the religious aspect of things. And I'm applauding him for that. But the people's king, all I think of is the people's princess and Diana. And I feel like that branding feels a little too little off for me. It's loaded, right? It's very, it's very much a loaded term. And I don't, I hope that he's not trying to push that for himself. I hope that was more of a media branding. Well, because it conjures Diana for me. Exactly. I'm sure that they want to not. More to come. I'm so excited. A hundred days. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. So we wanted to, on a total, you know, opposite side of, uh, you know, coronation celebrations, Prince Andrew excommunications. Is that funny? Um, (laughs) But I feel like we were just last week week talking about in royal history, the fact that he was, this was when he, his titles were renounced. Now this week has been full of Andrew news. First of all, the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell appeared on talk TV, doubled down on the photo of Andrew and Virginia being a fake. Fascinating to me. Like the fact that she's able to appear on a talk show from prison and talk about Ghislaine Behind Bars is the name of the show. It's very bizarre. <laughs> it's so Andrew, bizarre. So weird. Andrew's also reportedly taking legal action against Virginia to get her to retract her statements. There's also the news that Queen Elizabeth II gave Andrew her blessing to keep the HRH title before she passed away. And he's already using it on his personal correspondence again. He was part of the Christmas walk. He's kind of inching back. That news to me that, like, privately his mother gave him permission to use his HRH title in private feels very much like the scene in the first Knives Out where they're arguing about the will and they're like, no, he, dad promised me all of the publishing company and all of his assets and all, and all the siblings are bickering. Like, there is no one to describe dispute that because obviously now Queen Elizabeth is gone and we don't know whether she did that. So that just feels so, I feel like it's murky, murky it's at murky, best. And I also, I guess you talk about AB testing, right? <laughs> I think every time we get these like little kind of dangling headlines about these things in the media, I'm like, are they trying it on for size to gauge public reaction? I don't know. Mm. We know the princes in the press. We know from Harry's memoir. We know a lot are we Even a not social from memoir from a zillion royal experts, monarchists and not, that there is this kind of, you know, invisible contract going on. I just think it's interesting to see that. That article also did say that Charles will have no, no matter what, for even if Virginia retracts her statement, Andrew is done. There's no coming back to his former royal life is what, according to sources, is being said. Then today, right, as we were about to hit record, we get the news that Virginia's got a book deal, and it's a memoir. 
I think the title is said to be called The Billionaire's Playboy Club, and it's been picked up. So there's a lot oh, going on here. Oh, my God, that title. The gag order is done, Roberta. February <gasps> was the deadline, so a week away from it being done. So it's pretty fascinating. Wow. If this overshadows the coronation, I know. Charles is going to lose his shit. Thank you for taking me back to my Sorry, original the- statement when we kicked this off, because that's Split my point. Up. The the parallel to last year, you know, it was about to overshadow the Jubilee. Now it's about to overshadow the coronation. Like, it's pretty interesting. That's why I feel like... It's bad news to take up this lawsuit, even if it is to clear his own name, because I think just dredging up all the old information and all of the accusations, like I think one of the things that Andrew was really, his legal team is really relying on is that Virginia dropped her settle or her suit against Alan Dershowitz, the lawyer. And Mm -hmm. actually it's not that he's been exonerated. It's that she settled with him. So I think that that's where there's confusion because Andrew feels like, these there's holes in the story and so he can kind of bring it back up and clear his name but i don't think bringing up any of this will clear his name it'll only make him look worse we saw that with emily maitlis he obviously whenever he opens his mouth he kind of condemns himself so yeah doubling down doesn't work anyways just had to catch up on all of that We wanted to leave some room to talk more about Spare. We, we, I think we promised you guys last week we had Omen on, and when we first the book first came out, we were working our way through it, and we just Roberta and I actually had the privilege of sitting down in the kitchen at our old office yesterday and just kind of sharing some final thoughts, and we felt like we wanted to include everyone on that. Just some quick things and takeaways that are still sitting with us. And by the way, this is definitely going to be something that we're still referencing for weeks, months to come, because this is a kind of once in a decade reveal, right? Yeah, I know. And to ruminate on it more, we'll probably have, you know, it's going to affect obviously all of our discussions going forward on the podcast, no matter what. But I do want to say that I can't stop thinking about this one part. And it it feels very minor and weird. And I don't know why I can't stop thinking about it. But it's this part where Harry is asking the palace in part three, if he can lay a wreath for Remembrance Day in November of 2020. So he's obviously in California at this point. And he says, you know, can someone lay a wreath on my behalf at the Cenotaph? And the palace says, request denied. He says, well, can someone lay a wreath on my behalf at another um, location, a war memorial? Request denied. Can someone lay a wreath on my behalf in anywhere in the Commonwealth realms, anywhere at all, like any country, basically, in these 54 countries? Can anyone lay a wreath? Request denied. And I keep thinking about that. So he, at the end of the day, got his friend, a military friend, to lay a wreath at the Iraq and Afghanistan Memorial in London for him on his behalf. And I looked at Getty Images. There's one singular image on November 2020, Remembrance Day of a wreath at this war memorial. I wanted to like fact check that actually someone had done that and there's a man sitting there. I don't, I'm not sure if that's Harry's friend or not, but what's interesting is whether you think his assertions that the media and his family are leaking to each other and his family's backstabbing each other behind the palace is still acting terribly toward their own members to say request denied to an actual military veteran who served two tours of Afghanistan that just blew my mind I also felt like that it sorry I'm going on and on Rachel I feel like it ties into it's fascinating no it just it ties into the Sandringham summit information we got too which is that there were five plans Harry was told they would go with the middle one middle ground great 
then they release a statement that they're all out, that they're, you know, fully not working members. There's no way back and all. So, and the statement was printed. He didn't have a chance to even, you know, the printer was broken. They couldn't print the other statement they wanted. It's just all so shady to me. I don't know. Well, I think what, that what, the, well no, I totally agree. I think that the book does a, when you read it in full, you really see the history and longevity of Harry having such a huge lack of control over pushing back. So, you know, obviously we know everything that happened with him wanting to, the palace to make a statement in terms of the treatment of Megan, but they just never made statements. And then you look at what happened with the wreaths and all of that stuff. And just, he really was kept at arm's length from any ability to affect things on the inside, I guess is yeah. how I would take it. You know, I thought it was fascinating to read about the stuff with Angela Kelly. That's something that is kind of on in my mind a lot as I walk around Brooklyn. I'm like, it drifts to Angela Kelly. And, you know, when I think it was when Harry was on the Today Show, was it? And he talked about, this was a year ago, probably or months ago, where he it was tied to the Invictus Games. And he was talking about the people in the Queen's inner circle. Oh, and he yes, worries yes. about how they're influencing Her Majesty. I just assumed private secretaries. I assumed the people that are fictionalized in The Crown and Spencer. But to think that the Queen's dresser played such a huge role in leaking in the Tierra Gate incident, in that just not replying to Harry, not getting back to him, and then being so awful when she finally brought over the Tierra that Meghan was wearing for the wedding. All of that is fascinating to me, but it paints this bigger picture of his lack of control. And it feels like it's a through line and a continuation of the narrative Diana spelled out for Andrew Morton in the men in gray suits. Now we have, you know, more identification of these people. There's the bee, the wasp, the fly. These are the people that are really running the show behind the scenes in so much that they're like managers of the principles of the family. So the principles being like the main members, Harry, William, the Queen, Charles, Camilla, they are the ones kind of managing all of the inner workings of that. And to me, it was just really interesting to have this characterization of them that we kind of heard about from Diana, but didn't get clarity on. And now we have a lot of clarity as to who these people are and what they've done and what Harry feels how they've wronged him. Yeah. I think also I'm just walking around. I'm really describing myself just like (laughs) walking around Brooklyn, my eyes like looking all around as I what is it, pontificate or reflect, ruminate on everything that I've learned from reading. It's just that I think the brother dynamic is what is continuing to sit with me the most where it just... I feel like the youths call it living rent-free in your head. What lives rent-free in your head? do call it that. Thank you, Roberta. Um, (laughs) Tell me what lives rent-free. This is living rent-free in my head because I feel a lot of internal conflict about the fact that Harry and William are, are not and for a long time weren't in sync or having the brotherly dynamic that was presented to the to the press or via the press. I think it's fascinating to read how much they could never talk about grief at the same time and they both had different ways of handling it and I think about the the moment in particular that stands out is actually in part 1 I think or maybe the beginning of part part 1 cuz part 2 is military. Um is just how in Club H when they were about to, you know, William brought it up. They had this safe space where they could chat and Harry just constantly pushed it away. And I think just the lack of help that they were afforded right when that tragedy occurred with their mom, would it have changed things if they were given that those tools to navigate such a traumatic occurrence in their life? And then, but just being out of sync and never 
really kind of unpacking it together, except for these glimpse, glimmering moments, but the other person constantly changing the subject. Yeah. It's interesting. Like one of the big reveals that ties into the brotherly relationship is that Harry was never the best man to William and vice versa. And I think that the palace did such, they kind of bent over backwards to make sure the press thought that that was the case, that we, the public all thought that was the case. And I think, you know, why, why keep up appearances about a relationship? I understand, I guess, that it, the veneer of the royal family is that they're all getting along, but I feel like this is, it's such a weird thing to lie about when, you know, obviously William has other friends and he, him and Harry aren't that close, we've found out through Spare. So that to me was really interesting. And also the statement that um, William says to Harry in part three of the book, you know, Harry had always dreamed of the Fab Four and the two wives getting along and Harry and William finally getting along and them being just a big group of best friends. And William says to him, you know, that might not happen. And you have to be okay with that, Harold. And to me, that didn't seem so much like a rude, not nice thing to say to your brother, but like just an older brother being realistic and setting realistic expectations. And I kind of felt like maybe Harry got a little too offended by that. And there are, are other parts too, where I felt like if you see it from William's eyes, like he really is trying to bring his younger sibling down to earth a little bit. And that's not a bad thing. So mm-hmm. I, I pictured my brother saying that to me and I was like, yeah, I mean, he always brings me back to earth. So yeah, the I don't book know. just that's- demonstrates so much nuance with that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I, w- it will continue to live rent free in my head as I, <laughs> as I ponder it. Anyways, I think, is there anything else, Roberta, that you want to get into about Spare before we move on? I don't think so. Although I'm sure as the weeks and months go by, I will definitely, things will pop back up. And I have the audiobook and I have the hard copy. So I have lots of ways to revisit it. If I Yeah. What has been your system of like jotting down thoughts as you read? I'm, I feel like I haven't had a great system and I'm regretting my system and I like want to go back. And I, I took photos of pages that I wanted to revert back to. And then I was looking through my gallery of images ahead of our recording. And I was like, this was not the best system. So I dog-eared the hardback copy of the book when I listened to it on audio and wanted to bookmark that for our episodes and things. But I've been actually going back through the audio version <laughs> and re-listening because it really is hard for me to remember things I've heard. And so that has helped a lot. I might listen to the whole book again. I don't know. Just that every sentence is that so, so loaded. ridiculous no. to re-listen no. to the whole Do it on a run. Do it while you're walking. I totally support that because it's just like it, it's a book that warrants more than one read to kind of really scrape all the details that are included. Like I was – I mean I had it in here but we didn't talk about it, But like even what he says about Paul Burel – like that's something that's always been a head scratcher of a relationship to mm-hmm. me. And I saw Paul Burel on Instagram kind of combating the things Harry said in Spare. There's been a lot of people coming out and saying, obviously, this isn't true when he references certain journalists. Mm-hmm. It's just all of this requires a fine-tuned tooth comb, which you can only get by multiple reads. Yeah. And I think multiple reads too. I think t- like what are the other sides of the story when I go back yeah. and listen to it again. And so that's super helpful. I just – I keep thinking – Harry, why didn't you listen to people when they said, don't read everything that's written about you? I don't know. I, know. I get that he wants to refute it, but I'm just like, Harry, just put down Twitter, put down, you know, the Daily Mail copies. I'm like, why are you reading that? It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me, but that's it's the last very thought. true. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Ugh. 
heartbreaking. I feel like everyone already knows my low is going to be James Middleton having to say goodbye to Ella, the Cocker Spaniel that he's had for 15 years. He credits her with, obviously it's the name of his company, Ella and Co with dog food, but also with meeting Elise. There was that lovely story of Ella running over to her table and James running after her and Elise ordering a drink from him thinking he's the waiter. So just like a, a wonderful meet cute story and so, so sad. The reel he posted, I, I know. not going to lie, I shed a tear. So oh, just so devastating sad. to lose a loved one. It definitely feels like losing a member of the family. A four-legged loved one, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Milo, I realize this is not totally royal, but the fact that we were so the text messages back and forth last week, as soon as we finished recording, or maybe it was like later that night, the announcement from Apple that Ted Lasso is coming back this spring? Is it this summer? And just the fact that it Gosh, Roberta, missed our recording again. We love Ted Lasso over here. It feels royal adjacent. I feel like they've had some references to all the royal players in different episodes. Anyway, I'm so excited for season three. We actually, so it's a low high, I guess. It's just a low I, that a we low missed the episode. That we didn't get to see the trailer before we recorded last week. Wait, let's see. Season three. I'm going to have to watch it after this. I'm so excited. So good. All right. My high is this reveal, also TV-related, Rachel, that Harry and Meghan watch Succession. I feel like that's very meta of them, and it's something I learned while reading Bryony Gordon's Substack last week, the full interview transcript that she did, uh, that she put on her Substack, the interviews with Harry. Obviously, she wrote a story about it for The Telegraph, but... He says, um, this is like a quote from it. He says, an outsider, not an outsider, someone from a normal life coming in does not behave like the people are within. You only have to watch Succession to realize that. And I just thought... I love when we get these reveals about what Harry and Meghan watch because I think <laughs> for any of the royals watch, right? yeah, what really any of fun. the royals watch. I think who is he relating Meghan to? Because that's kind of a quote. Like, is it cousin Greg? <laughs> is it Tom Wamsgams? Like, who is the outsider oh God, in Tom. Succession who's referring to? Also, Succession. Succession back. Oh, I, I can't ooh, wait. Now I have to look at that. Let's see. <laughs> oh. Succession season four, spring 2023. We are going to have, at least that's what this one website says, we're going to have a ton of TV to watch this spring. I can't wait. All right, my high, saving the best for last, the news that Princess Eugenie is pregnant with baby number two. We know that August was born in February 2021, so his birthday is coming up, but she is set to welcome her new one in the summer. Also, Fergie's post that she's in granny heaven and showed August splashing in the puddles. It's so exciting. It also made me laugh, Roberta, and I said this to you right away, because the biggest moment to hook people in is a wedding or a baby for the royals. So the timing could not be more perfect. I know. I think we joked about the palace rushing out. They're like, okay, like we know you just found out you're pregnant, but like you have to tell everyone now, like divert (laughs) the news away from the memoir. Tell everyone right now we need the good news. But we're so excited for you, Janie, and cannot wait. I don't know. We clinked about it over lunch yesterday with our yes. Queen Elizabeth cocktails. That was really lovely. Cheers to Eugenie and her family. Just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal rating. We'll love, love, love five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify as well. You can leave us a rating there. This one says, my royal besties. I became obsessed with the British monarchy during my summer in England of 2018, just after the wedding of Meghan and Harry. Until I found this podcast six months ago, I was scrounging for someone to share my obsession with. They do such a good job of creating a positive and neutral conversation of the royals, which is a relief in the world of such negative comments. They make you feel included in the conversation and like you're just listening to a chat of besties. I love, love, love them. We 
love, love, love this review. That is yes. so kind. Thank you so much, Bailey4927. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of the podcast. You definitely don't want to do that. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. With an S. Always- With an S. Until next week, God, God save, save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.